So Lauren, <laughs> welcome to the podcast first and foremost. It's a new one for me because yeah. I don't really know you. No. I've done Jordan, Christina, Brandon, and I knew all their kind of backstories. Mm-hmm. We've had all of a 30 minute chat. Yeah. So this is something very new. Yeah. But to learn about you, I'm going to drop it on you straight away. Okay. The two truths, one lie. Oh, right. I know you didn't want to do it, but no, now's I didn't. the time. Okay. So I've been trying to think. So one of them, I think you'll already know. So it's a bit easier. Right. <laughs> so I'm a grade eight pianist. I can speak two languages, albeit not, not very well. Um, and I once won a thousand pounds on the radio. So I've seen on your Instagram that you play piano. Yeah. So what grade did one. you say? Grade oh, a. so it is actually is that yeah, is the yeah, truth. Actually the truth. I was going to yeah. say I don't know what grade A is. Grade A could grade be good. Grade A. It's like it's like the black belt of piano. It's the highest one you can not, get. Not bragging or anything. Not bragging, yeah. So that one's true. Flex. We've got that one out of the way. And then thousand pound on the radio. And what was the other one? I can speak two languages. What are they? Spanish and obviously English. English, Spanish. I think you can speak two languages. Do you? Yeah. No. No? No, I can't. I knew I'd trick you by going, I'll be not very you, well. That's literally what happened. You literally said, I'll be not very well. I was like, well, she's <laughs> fucked up a bit there. Because no, no, did I though, did I? You won um, a £1,000 on the radio. I won a £1,000 on the radio, yeah. It was on Viking FM. And I remember it was really late at night and it was a really easy competition. You just had to ring up and they basically gave you the money. Um, but I think the reason I won it was because it was, I remember I was driving back from the salon. I think we were renovating, so it was like, half 12, one in the morning. Um, and I just thought, can I swear? I just thought, yeah, can yeah, I swear? Yeah, I swear, thought, I swear, fuck fine. it, um, I'm going to try. And yeah, I won a thousand pounds. And um, it all worked out really well because the next day my friend Tanya was going to Ibiza in a couple of weeks and she said, why don't you just come along? And I was like, yeah, I've won a thousand pounds now. So I went to Ibiza with it. As if. It's really, really, well, yeah. you just rang up. They yeah. say, I oh, think you've won. So you ring up and they, so you ring up and you kind of, no, sorry, you don't ring up, you text, you text mm-hmm. in. And then they ring you back and they rang me back and they said, oh, hi, Lauren, it's so-and-so from Viking FM. <laughs> and I was like, hello. Um, and I d- I'd only heard the tail end of like the competition on the on the radio, so I didn't really know if I had to answer anything. I thought, I'm screwed if I do. Um, and they just said, yeah, so, you know, if you won the money, what would you spend it on? And, uh, so was time. this being played on the radio? No, so they do this while uh. the song's playing. And uh, I just said, I've just got a bit of debt. I think I said a really boring answer. <laughs> and um, they said, okay, well, you have won, but we're going to put you back on the radio and we need you to act surprised. What? Yeah, yeah, we need you to act surprised. So they, they didn't hang up, they kept me on the phone. And then the radio presenter came on and said, oh, hi, Lauren. And, you know, well, congratulations, you've won. And I'd be like, no way. <laughs> oh, my God. I know, Never I know. knew. I know. So Oscar winning performance. But yeah. I won £1,000 and I went on holiday. And then went to Ibiza, yeah. Happy days. Yeah, it was great. It was really, really well-timed. Didn't pay off the debt then? No, fuck that. I just (laughs) went to Ibiza instead. I actually would have paid the debt off with it, but uh, you'll learn in the podcast, uh, Deb, that I am not probably the best financially. Yeah, we'll get to (laughs) that. Me and you both, but um, we'll start at the beginning anyway. Okay. So... Did you have, because you, you own a studio now, a makeup yeah. studio, Tiger Eye, mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people in Scunthorpe will know of it. Um, <laughs> did you have any influences growing up that were entrepreneurial? Because you haven't been entrepreneurial your whole kind of adult life no. so far. Well, yes, mm, tricky, because I, I was a wedding photographer for a little bit after yeah. college. And um, so I, I was self-employed for like my first proper job. Ah, okay. Um, 
but see, this is good because, like you said, yeah, I don't know anything. Yeah. I'm just learning. Um, but that was it, and then obviously I went back into employment. So, um, but yeah, to answer your question, m- my mum and dad massively like they are. So they have a steel fabrication business, right. and then my dad's dad um, <clears throat> was the, the original founder of this steel fabrication business, and he was really entrepreneurial. I remember hearing about way before I was born, he created a board game. Um, and he had like scum up telegraph round and photographed really? it. He was always thinking of ways to like, kind of make money. Um, so that's like from my dad's side, but my mum, she's brilliant. So she left school, I'm at 15, we know GCSE. She actually fell pregnant with my oldest sister. And um, yeah, her and my dad were only young. My dad was 18, she was like 15, 16. Um, so that neither of them really kind of were particularly academic. Neither went to university. And my mum especially didn't even have the GCSEs. Um, but my granddad was very entrepreneurial and they ended up working in the family business and they just worked their asses off for the last 30 years. And she, like they, I've, I've just, I know I'm going to be biased because they're my yeah, parents, parents, but yeah. I've just never known two people like it. Like the, the most resilient and, and the best team as mm. well. Like they fight like cat and dog, like mo- most couples do, mm-hmm. but they are just such a, a formidable team. And um, yeah, they've been a massive influence growing up. But I, I wouldn't say when I was younger, I, I always thought oh, I want my own business. I always wanted freedom. Like I always, I, I'm, I, I never liked like rules. I never liked, right. I loved school because I loved like English and I loved history and I loved art. I had a brilliant um, art teacher and she was my form tutor. And I think when you have a good teacher, it makes you enjoy makes it a bit more. So better, yeah. But I've never enjoyed routine ever. Um, and I, I kind of debated university, but again, if I'd have gone to university, it would have been to do something creative, um, like photography, or I think I debated um, even fashion communications at some point or something like that. <laughs> so, but yeah, I never was like, I'm going to own my own business. But then I guess as you get older, you realize when you do go self-employed, you do have that freedom. Obviously, it comes with many, many cons I was about well. to say, yeah, they... I think like a common misconception from the outside for people like us yeah. is that we search for the freedom and suddenly we've got all this money and all the time in the world when it's actually yeah. the opposite. It's abso- yeah, 100%. You worked... I'm not going to say you worked on inside because I know people in, in employment work super hard, but it, there's no set hours. You can't just clock off. You're always on it. And um, it, there's, there's a few hard lessons to learn, I think, when you go into self-employment, which I feel like... I mean, I've been, I've had Tiger right now for four years. <clears throat> Before that, I was a makeup artist for another three. Um, yes, yeah, seven years altogether in the industry. And then even when I was a wedding photographer, I mean, to be fair, when I was a wedding photographer, I did it alongside working in retail because I was only mm, 17. Yeah. Um, but it gave me a bit of a taste of it. And then, and then yeah, going into self-employment and having Tiger great definitely opened up my eyes to what it actually really is like to be. It's brilliant, you know, and I think, you know, me and you said before, you you make the choice to be a business owner and, and you know, you've got a whole chance of knowing that, but that doesn't mean it doesn't come without difficulties. So. And that's kind of something that we have to keep in because yeah. like you've just said, it's our fault we chose this. Oh, absolutely. We decided I, I want to, I want to use this podcast though as like our kind of venting. Oh, um, okay, well, don't, don't <laughs> get me venting too so much. So obviously it's a lot of entrepreneurs that I'm going to have on here. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like our way to sh- kind of show people what it's really like. Not yeah. complaining. No, but just, just kind show of opening the up. It may be that somebody wants to start their own business and they yeah. maybe just think it's this luxury life of as soon as you start your own business, mm. you're rich and you just sit there at home. Yeah. Or you sit there on all day when it's really not that. No. I mean, you do that a little bit. Yeah, you, not, can, you can not, because you've yeah, got you set hours. You don't but... go straight into no, it and no. then, yeah. Do you have the issue of like when you go to bed? 
you're not physically working but your mind is always ticking um yeah not so much nowadays because i have a really really brilliant team um and tiger eyes but been built up to a point now where I can definitely take a step back and that was proven last year when I actually went into employment for a little bit after COVID um but yeah in the beginning absolutely and when things go wrong as well you definitely you know you don't clock off it's not a case of oh we can wait till Monday to deal with that you you are you are always on it but I I'm very lucky with my team and and they're all self-employed and they all basically run their own businesses within my business so Yes, to a certain extent, but also I know I can trust them. I mm. know they keep things running and I've got, you know, a massive amount of confidence. So I, I think, but that's only recently happened. Even though I've had that team, you know, since really the beginning and they've always been brilliant. I think for me personally, it's only been in the last year I've been able to put those boundaries in. But I think I got there by going through a really, really horrible time. I didn't just wake up one day and think, oh, do you know what? It's great. I I don't have to worry about anything. We went through a really horrific time, end of 21, 22, like beginning of 22. Um, And just COVID, you know, 2020, all that. I think any business that is still standing after that, you you know, need to give themselves a pat on the back because that was just terrific. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I'd say going through the shit show that was COVID and the things that happened after that, even though it was physical hell to go through now, I'm so grateful for it because I feel like I've reached a point where I have much clearer boundaries between my personal life and business. I have learned a lot of lessons. I have more boundaries with myself and my like relationships and my friendships and things like that. And I just feel like I've, I've found that balance to a certain extent. It's built like resilience. Yeah. hundred percent. And then you can then create the balance from that. Yeah. Definitely. So you're in a much better place now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we go back to previous jobs then, before you kind of built that resilience. Mm-hmm. What previous jobs have you had? Because so, <laughs> like normally I'd know, and yeah. I can just go, so you worked here, how was that? Whereas yeah. now, I literally have no clue what you've done. So I, it's like an ongoing joke in my family that I am someone that gets bored very easily, and this is the only thing that I've really ever stuck at, I'll be honest with you. I have done loads of different jobs. So when I left school, well, my first ever job, I actually drove a tractor for like a day. So I live next a day. To, a day. Oh, I was shit. I'll tell you. So I live next to um, a farm, and they were looking for just like a handy person. Really, I think I was like fourteen. Lauren and Eddie, um, just yeah, no, literally. So I, uh, I just went, went to like I had horses and that, so I was used to being oh, outside. Okay. So I went um, to interview for it, and they had me just like drive. So they, they have this, this tractor with that takes like people on the back to go see the pigs and yeah. stuff. Yeah, I had to drive that. I was 14, right? Never drove, crashed it into something. There was kids crying. This on is the a back. pig pig. Yeah, pig pig. I was yeah. going to say, I've seen that tractor. <laughs> yeah, literally, yeah. So I drove that tractor for a day and um, I crashed it and it was awful and there was kids crying. And I was like, I'm not going to get off of the job. And he offered me at the end of the day. I was like, no, I don't think that's good. But that was my first piece of ever like a job interview and stuff. Did like the usual waitressing when you're in school. Hmm. And then um, when I left college, I only left college with one A level and I was there for three years. Years. Right. I just couldn't work out what I wanted to do, and going back, to, I hated, I hated college. I'll be honest with you. I I'm liked the exact, I'm the exact same. Yeah, I just hated it. I felt like college was. I loved senior school because, like I said, I had a great teacher, and I, I did really enjoy. Um, yeah, particularly like year ten and eleven. Hmm. But I felt like college was had the strictness and the routine of school but didn't have the help of school mm. so and, and that's what I found so difficult. I thought I'm expected to be here all the time, but I feel the teachers 
you know not really asked yeah. yeah and I know that I'm sure there are some out there that are brilliant but my experience with college was not good so I never used to go I used to target all the time <laughs> and I got a job at H&M so you know what it's like when you're like 17, 18 you just want to go out in town every weekend and I'd started obviously earning a bit of money from H&M and I just that's all I was really bothered about um so in that in that sense, kind of academia and that just just went out the window. Even though I was quite you know really quite academic at senior school, once I got to college, I just something shifted. Um, but I did really enjoy photography. That was the one A level I did. I was so gonna say, did you do that? At yeah, that was the only A level I left with. So I just basically fucked around for three years trying to work out what I wanted to do, and then yeah, ended up with photography and just started. And this is kind of I feel how Tiger started as well and how makeup started. I didn't go in with a plan. I never had an end goal. I just kind of winged it. Best um, way that. Yeah, and I just a, a couple of I think my sister's friend was getting married, so I just obviously I'm 17. How much money do I actually need? So living at home, <laughs> so I did their wedding photos really cheap, and then I just just learned that way, and I just word of mouth, um, Facebook, you know, social media. I do feel like I was someone that, not someone as in like I was in a minority. But I do think I tapped in social media almost as soon as it came out. Looking back, I could have definitely tapped into it sooner. Mm. I think that was due to confidence. But um, when I started the photography business, I was always posting on kind of sales sites. I was always posting on Facebook. I was getting people to share things. I was doing giveaways, competitions. And um, yeah, that, that worked really well. And I did really well, actually, as a wedding That's photographer. That's like your youth giving you the competitiveness yes. advantage, isn't it? Because yeah. Because you're used to social media, whereas the older wedding photographers may not yes. know social media. And that was a big thing. And that's been another thing in the hair and beauty industry as well. I feel like social media, I'm very, I'm very passionate about social media, but not in the sense that I absolutely love it. I'm mm. very passionate about how we use it going forward. Um, because I feel like from the age of literally 16, 17, I have seen most sides of it. Um, I had a very brief stint in lockdown where the, inf- I don't want to say influence, because like, you sound like a massive wanker, but the the content creating side yeah, really yeah, yeah. came because I couldn't do, couldn't do appointments. Um, so I kind of got a little bit of a taste of what that was like and the money you could earn off that and kind of how that, that made you feel mm. and the pressures that that put you under. And then I've seen it from the business building side when you're trying to build a business on there. And particularly because my business isn't named after me, you know, you kind of get to see it when people don't realize the person behind the logo yeah. um, and how different certain attitudes can be. Um, and then I also see it from when I very first started out and, and I've seen almost the transition from how Facebook was the biggest platform and then Instagram, you know, and I still think I will always be team Instagram, I think, no matter what platform I'm an Instagram come out, person. Yeah. I don't even have Twitter. No, I hate, I've always hated Twitter. Twitter yeah. is the one thing. And Jordan, who you had on, always, he loves Twitter. He, he advocates, is, but he's yeah, like a member. He, I think for what Jordan does, Twitter is brilliant. Yeah. Um, and I definitely see the appeal of it. For me, I always say Twitter was made for the passive aggressive because I feel like it is just a platform of opinions yeah. and cancel culture. And I've always lent in more to platforms that have an aesthetic quality to them. So Instagram is obviously mainly photos and videos and content and things like that. I just never, never liked Twitter. Um, mm. But I understand why it's so useful for certain people but for my industry you know both industries that have been in photography beauty all that kind of stuff instagram was always going to be the best one because it was the most visual Mm. and then obviously tiktok comes along um which is very kind of gen z um orientated yep and i think instagram will always as long as kind of millennials want to be on social media instagram will always have a place um and i just think instagram has been around for too long to ever 
not be used. Whereas I think Facebook now is really not what it used to be. No. I always say... It's just for families. It's just, yeah, for status updates and, yeah, yeah writing happy birthday on a wall. I don't yeah. think people do that anymore, <laughs> do they? But I, I always say, and I, I, during lockdown, I did... Um, I did like social media courses for people and business building courses. And the way I always use or learned to use social media for my business was I always said, think about how you use social media. So when you're a business, when you're self-employed and you're trying to push your product or services out, you, you're a consumer. How do you use it? Mm. And what do you use Facebook for? Because if you only use Facebook for finding reviews and telephone numbers, why are you writing so many posts about your business on Facebook? No one's you know, going to look at it. No one's going to look at it. Why are you asking people to leave so many uh, reviews via Instagram story replies? Because people go on Facebook for reviews. So think about how you use it. So I always say Facebook's your information center. I think no matter what happens, people always, it, Facebook is almost like Google. In a I was about sense. to say, like, if I want to know a, a place's opening hours, You'll go on Facebook. I'll go on Facebook. Exactly. So you have the contact numbers on there, you have the reviews, the way it's laid out. More often than not, what we find with Tiger is people will find us or look at us through Instagram, but they'll contact us through Facebook. Yeah. Because if you actually think about the apps themselves, even having Facebook Messenger, it's a lot easier to keep on top of messages that way than it is Instagram message yeah. because they get disappear, you get story replies, things like that. So I would say Facebook's your information center, Instagram is your shop window. Imagine your business has a shop, your photos, the content you put on Instagram is what you would put in your shop window because that's what people, if you, especially in our industry, if you uh, recommended someone you will go on their Instagram to look at their yeah, work. You, would, yeah. you want to see their work through there. It's a portfolio, isn't it? Exactly. So Instagram's your shop window and TikTok is your behind the scenes. So if you were to send a daily email out to people about your services or products, imagine you doing that on TikTok because it's much less aesthetic. People don't have an aesthetic anymore on TikTok, I don't personally think. Um, the For You page, people tend to lean more onto that than they actually do the following page, whereas Instagram, it's the other way around. And it's very, very... And this is one thing I do love about Gen Z, I feel like for millennials and with Instagram, we really curated this picture-perfect life of influencers and everything was almost airbrushed and almost colour-coded to a certain extent on a on a Instagram grid, whereas Gen Z have kind of thrown that out the window. I mm. know they have their own ways of kind of... Um, posting you know they kind of the whole photo dump thing and things like that but i think that's what i love about tiktok there's no aesthetic to it it's a lot more behind the scenes it's a lot more real um it's it's people like for example um and i could be wrong but what i've seen recently is apparently longer talking videos do better on tiktok um so if you were to do a get ready with me on tiktok it's actually better to talk through it and on right. instagram the reels that are short snappy with trending music still do really well i think they do well on both platforms but what i've read recently that's what they're saying and i think you can tell that because tiktok is a lot more like i said less aesthetic mm. aesthetic more um more chatty more kind of informal so i always say to people and I, and i also don't think as a business or self-employed person or creative you have to be on every platform i think find two that work really well for you and stick to them for tiger eye facebook and instagram work really well because of our clientele we have i'd say on average if i had to average it down our clients range from maybe like mid-20s to early 60s right so when you think about that age range you've got what, two social medias yeah here. facebook and instagram they're what they're mainly using for me as a content creator i find tiktok and instagram work best for me because i 
I think the content that I'm used to putting out is very kind of chatty. So for me, TikTok works better. Mm. I think when I think about who uses Facebook, if I was to put 20 stories on of me just chatting pure shit, I don't think my dad's friends would think, oh, great. But do you know what I mean? (laughs) So I feel like it's all about kind of thinking about how you, what kind of customer do you want to attract? Really work out the, um, what's the word I'm looking for, Ria? Almost the statistics of your ideal yeah. clientele. Um, create like a, a persona, create your ideal client. You know, what do they look like? How old are they? What do they wear? What are they into? Um, and I think that that's, that's the key with social media. And, I, and again, I always say this, and I said this in the social media courses. <clears throat> I think the reason social media has, has had such an effect and is basically such a large part of everyone's life now is that people want to belong. They want to belong to communities. And the problem with that is I think people can then go very black and white in terms yeah. of labeling people and labeling things. And and you take out that human element, which is ultimately the gray areas of, of your life. But from a marketing point of view, knowing that people want to belong to a community, it's easy easier to create an ideal clientele and brand yourself to appeal to that clientele. Yeah. I always use the example of Pretty Little Thing. If you think of a typical Pretty Little Thing girl, yeah. you can already see what she looks you know like what they look in your like. head. Yeah. 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 You know, the clothes they wear, Pretty Little Thing is bright pink, it's a unicorn. You know, they have absolutely nailed their marketing. Mm. Now, that's not to say someone that isn't, you know, typically into that would never shop on Pretty Little Thing, but they have, you know, that's their marketing is very, yeah. very clear. Um, if I was say to you Gymshark, you know, you can picture the kind of people that would wear Gymshark. So yeah. I feel like, and they're, they're two examples of people that have found their ideal client and really marketed towards that because people like, people like to be told what to wear, who to listen to. And, and I think that's, but you've got to be careful with that. Cause like I said, it, it can then go very black and white and then you get other things on social media, like political debates and opinions that's and cancel Twitter, culture and Twitter yeah, Twitter's notorious for that. So I think I always, my mum always, oh, I don't know whether I should say that I will because she'll kill me, but <laughs> she has a, a, a saying about certain things in life, use them like how they use you. And I always think with that with social media, use it how it uses us. You know, yeah. It's there to try to sell us, it's there to make us feel a certain way. And I think it's our responsibility to really curate our own feeds and what we follow and what we take in, what we buy of social media, what we're influenced by. Um, because it is all a highlight reel, you know, it is all marketing, it is all, it's not, it is very black and white social media. I think it's great for inspiration, it's great for getting your product out there or your service or your business, it's great for networking, but it's not real life because it takes away that human element of the conversation. Um, And like I say, the gray areas of of your personality and and situations, so. It's changed a lot, hasn't it? Because it used to be real life, Instagram. Like Mm. there's like a, I remember when Instagram stories became a thing. Yeah. Uh, It was when Snapchat was still booming. So Snapchat stories. I haven't had Snapchat for years. I haven't had Snapchat for no. years, but like when I was, I don't even know what age I was, maybe like 18. Snapchat stories, you just lob everything on mm. there. Like literally if I'm sat here now drinking water, I go, oh, that's a great water. Yeah. Whereas Instagram would be like, oh, I've visited Rome. Here's a one picture of Rome. Yes. Yeah. Now it's changed. Yeah. Now it's like everything you do that looks good, make it look good. It's all aesthetically mm-hmm. pleasing and it's just not real life anymore. Hundred percent, and I think I mean think about Instagram when it first came out. Do you remember people used to put photos of their food on the grid, and yeah. they put that filter with yeah, the now, black now frame a grid, on a grid photo now. Oh no, it's got to be special. It's got to be great. <laughs> You've got to really save the good stuff for the grid. But I remember that, and you'd get nine likes, and you'd be yeah. buzzing. You'd think, great, I get on with my day now. And now, and you know, and that's because people. It's 
it's been put on such a pedestal, Instagram and, and social media, and it's very easy to fall into that pit of endless scrolling and feeling shit about yourself. That's and, the issue, isn't it? Yeah, massively. But, you know, it is a highlight reel, and we're all guilty of it. We all post our highlight reels. I do try and make a conscious effort to not post, you know, to post some reality as well. But then at the same time, social media for a lot of people is also a form of escapism. So I don't want to post too much shit stuff and <laughs> get people down it's or a, it's like look a, like I'm moaning. It's a hard balance, isn't it? It's a very hard balance. And I think... I, the way I try, and this isn't going to work for everyone because not everyone is so comfortable with sharing online and I completely get that. I've always been of the opinion, if if people are going to use my discount codes, if people are going to support me, if they're going to like my posts, I almost have a responsibility to be honest and, and show a sense of reality. However, I'm also a human being and I'm allowed to have boundaries and I get it quite a lot. And it, it, for me, it works quite well because I... I like to think I share on my stories and I share on social media very similar to what I share with clients in the salon. Um, and in a way that kind of works, I think that actually helps us get more clients because people get to almost see the people they're going to come to before they have to come to them. It's very intimidating going to a salon. And I think if they can get an idea of your kind of personality before booking in, then it's even better. Um, I've lost my train of thought now. I can't remember saying, yeah. So I feel like I, you know, I, I have a responsibility to show a bit of reality, but it, it, it's like you say it's a balance to be had and um and the thing is with the internet is once it's out there that's it yeah and you put some sometimes you put things out there hoping you know a certain group of people see it or a certain amount of people see it but everyone can see it and everyone will have opinions yeah. on it um so i think it, and ultimately, social media was created for external validation. And we'd be lying if we said, as people, none of us look for external validation. Yeah. Of course we do. That's the thing. A lot of people will say, like, oh, you just do it for likes. But every single person... Is, if you are posting on social media, there's yeah. there's only one reason. I used to say, I used to say, like, my Instagram grid would be like, no, it's just my collection of photos that I want to look at in the mm. future. It's not because my photo album is my <laughs> collection of photos I want yeah. to in the future. You are looking for some sort of validation. I think you are, but I, I do I do kind of agree with that though as well. I do think that it can be something to look back on. Like yeah. I always joke to when I have clients in and that you know they're on the make them and I'm like, get you know, get it for yourself. You look fucking great. We wanna wanna remember this moment. Yeah. Um I think it might, it, I, I do think you should use social media almost as a scrapbook of your memories, but I think ultimately you you post for a reason, whether it's to share with family and friends, whether it's for you to look back on. Because I, when I look back down my Instagram grid and I, especially if I'm having a day where I, I feel like I'm in a bit of a rut and I feel like I'm not really, I, I'm not where I want to be in life and, and I'm not moving forward quick enough. I look back sometimes, especially at the tagline, and I'm like, I forgot about that. Mm. Like we did that. So I think you do it for your own benefit as well. But particularly if you, like, for example, the podcast, you know, you we're creating this and you're going to post it to get more people following it, to get more podcast yeah, episodes. Yeah. It's like, you know, a chain. But I think, I think again, it's, it's that balance, isn't it? It's not black and white. You're not just posting for likes. You're not just posting for yourself. It's completely up to you. But I do think, and I think COVID played a massive, massive part in this and lockdown. And this is what I did my TED Talk on. It was actually called um, Social Media and It's Lockdown Lessons. Right. Um, was it called that? No, it wasn't called... I can't remember what my own TED Talk was called. <laughs> it was called How to Beat the Algorithms, Social yeah. Media and It's Lockdown Lessons. Right. And it was basically about how during lockdown, 
social media has played a massive part of our lives for, for years now. I mean, I think Facebook's was created in 2004, so... Yeah, you know, since we were yeah, kids, yeah. years and years and years. And before that, we had MySpace and Bebo. Yeah, Bebo was classic. <laughs> love Bebo, I love Bebo. Um, so, yes, yeah, so it's been around for a while. But what happened was, before that, you, you could go on social media, you could see something, blah, blah, blah. You put it down, you go see your friend. Do you know what I mean? You had that separation. What happened in lockdown was we were chucked in where all we had was social media. So in a time where social media was really connecting us, my question in my TED talk was, was it connecting us or did it actually drive us further apart? Yeah. Because what I keep saying about that black and white element, lockdown and social media just heightened that. You were in one camp or you were in the other. You were left or you were right. You were anti-vaccine or you were pro-vaccine. There was no, yeah. there was no in between. When usually if you picture you're in a pub and there's a group of you and you're having this conversation and, and you're comfortable in each other's presence and you're talking and you share in opinions and it, they're not black and white opinions. Some people might be, but a lot of the time you think, oh, actually that's a, a good point. Yeah. Oh, it's a discussion. Yeah. Because there's that human element to it, because it's your friend sat in front of them and, you, and their body language is different. They're not being aggressive. They might be they might saying- a smile a, on their face. Exactly. Yeah. They might be saying a very strong opinion, but they're not coming at you aggressively with it. Whereas when you're reading it online, you can't, I mean, how many times have, have, have we received a text message and you're like, hey, what have I done? Okay, yeah. yeah, my dad is the worst for that. I just get a thumbs up and I'm like, <laughs> is he are mad? you okay? Is he like, mad yeah. <laughs> Literally. So I think that's what happened in lockdown. And because we only had, I mean, for me in a way it was good because I was able to put content out there. Everyone was online, so everyone was seeing it. I managed to build something with that. But in terms of, heated discussions and obviously we know there was so many things going on during lockdown for people to have opinions on it really it was almost quite a scary place to be but you had no escape mm. and then you feel like and i, I think a lot of self-employed people felt like this during lockdown i should be doing something you know i, I should be i should be building something i should be doing something on the side i i did you know do something in lockdown but that's just because it, that's what felt right for me but i think for a lot of us it we it's kind of we all we obviously knew, but in a way, like we'd gone through this really traumatic thing of being told we could close and we didn't know when we were going to open. Yeah. We still had bills to pay. We didn't know what. It was a scary, horrible time for every single person. And I think some of us were quite hard on ourselves on yeah, not feeling like we were doing enough. Yeah, yeah. But that's because we're on social media and we're seeing highlight reels, and then you're seeing opinions, and it goes back to that whole thing of labeling yourself and and feeling like you need to be a certain way, you need to be in a certain camp, and. And the other thing I think social media has made people not want, but is actually a very a very nice and one is a soft life. You you know just just getting by, yeah. Having your family, having your friends, going to work, going home, doing your hobbies, not having a big announcement to make, not having a side hustle, not be climbing the corporate ladder, not you know having the big romantic gestures from uh, gestures from your other half every week. Because they, it is just an accumulation of highlight reels. It can make you feel shit. And then your soft life almost seems inferior when yeah. you compare it. When actually, I think if, if you've got people that love you and you love them. And overall, you you're happy. You've cracked the code of life. But social media doesn't want you to just settle like that. It wants you to compare yourself. And it wants you to, you know, because it feeds into the algorithm. The more yeah, there's, you kind there's of... someone I know that works in retail mm. and they're just happy to work in retail because they say that if they want if they do anything more it may take a toll on the mental health in the long term exactly. so they are doing that soft life thing yeah. and I, I at first in my like entrepreneur head I was like no you've got to do more and then I like stopped myself and I was like 
that's such like a good mental state yeah. to be in. It's great. That you can just accept the fact and not compare yourself to yeah. Jim down the road who's doing 17 businesses and yeah. posting it on Facebook and Instagram every two days. Like yeah. It's such a motivational way of looking at someone's life rather than the other side, which is yeah. successful doing that, successful doing exactly. that. Exactly. And, you know, some people are entrepreneurs and they love it. You know, yourself, Jordan. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's brilliant. However, I... If you'd have had, if we'd have had this conversation pre-COVID, I'd have said, you know, you only get one life. You need to do everything you can, push yourself. No, after COVID, and this is again what I kind of covered in my TED talk, and I think social media plays a huge part in making you feel like you have to do 100%. more. And for some people, like I say, absolute entrepreneurs, they love it. Hats off to them. But if we were to take social media out, how many people do you think would actually want to go through the journey of being an entrepreneur and the stress and hassle that comes with owning your own business? Because That's as brilliant as it is, question. exactly as brilliant as it is, what what are we doing for ourselves and what are we doing for clout? And I think, and when I look back, I've done so many fucking stupid things for clout, like financial decisions for clout. I got an office once, right? I got an you office. You told me this just like as we were leaving five for coffee. Months because in my head, I was going to start another side hustle. I used the office about four times. <laughs> like, I still get... If I could go back to 2021 me, I'd just slap Wouldn't it. Come, yeah. But in my head, I thought, well, I want to start a side hustle, so I need another base for it. Otherwise, it, no one's going to take me seriously that I'm doing this side hustle. I need to show that, you know, I'm really taking it seriously. But I could have easily started this side hustle in the... I'm not even saying side hustle, right? Side hustle <laughs> in the business, in the building that I already had. And that was massively, massively pushed by social media for me. And looking back... Is I, that a comparison? 100%. Because these images of side yeah. hustles where they've got this nice flashy office, you yeah, wanted that. Yeah, I wanted that. So I, and realistically, it, it made no difference to my business. It made no difference to my income. If any, Well, apart from draining me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was a really stupid thing to do. But I'm glad I did it because now I look back and, and I can see what a stupid waste of time that was. And even, like I said, in lockdown, even down to little things like buying buying makeup products to review them, you know, because it was what was trending and things. And I always say exposure doesn't pay the bills. Likes and follows are great, but it doesn't pay the bills. And some of the most successful, both financially and, you know, in terms of their own happiness, happiness. people I know, hardly have any social media followers. So I'm a bit, I contradict myself a lot with social media because I'm always telling people to use it, but I'm saying, but... It's not this amazing thing that's going to just make you this fantastic entrepreneur. You can post whatever you want to look like the best entrepreneur going. I actually used you as an example last week. I was doing a talk at a local college and I was touching upon this and it was the day we had the meeting yeah. about this podcast. And I said to the girls in the talk, I said, you know, I could easily get my phone out this morning and say a day in the life because I had that talk, yeah. then I had the meeting with you, then I had a couple of appointments, then I had, they had an entrepreneur's dinner in Leeds. That's not a usual day in my no, life. No. The week before, I'd done fuck all for, yeah, like, yeah. for like five days. But so if you did a day in the life, people could on the screen, they that, think, yeah. oh, Lauren does this every and someone day. Else might, someone else who was wanting to maybe get into public speaking or who was wanting to be an entrepreneur, they'd be thinking, well, why, can't, why am I not doing that every day? Mm. Mate, I'm not doing it every day. But I could have easily filmed it and made it look like that. And I think we have to, we have to remember that. And... You know, like I said, social media is that it wants you. It's mar it wants you to feed into the algorithms. It wants you to follow these influencers because you know, then you're watching the adverts that they're paying for and things so like that. So many adverts now. Yeah, it's just making making money off the back of you. I think it's a brilliant tool, but like anything in life that offers that quick dopamine hit, it's got its pros and cons, and it's up to us to realise the pros and cons and try and put boundaries in and get some perspective. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not it's not real life. So Even how how have you? Real. 
stopped the comparing thing because I don't do it. Um, but there's a lot of people that I know that do. that do, and I think majority of people that do. How have you? How do you look at say another makeup artist studio mm. that is doing super super well? Say they're in London and they've got this flash studio. How do you look at them, not look at them and go, well, I'm not as good as them? Mm. Oh, that's a really good question because I, I don't, but I, yeah, I'm but you don't know how you don't. How I did it. I, I honestly do think it was so. What basically what happened was, and I'm not recommending this to people, but this is what worked for me. Yeah. You know, I said earlier about I went through that kind of real physical hell to get to this point. Yeah. So basically, so we had lockdown. And that's when I accumulated, I would say, the majority of my followers. I had like a decent following before in terms of what worked for Tigra. It was all very local. But then during lockdown, I was able to kind of collaborate with people that lived down south, that lived further away, brands. I um, contributed to a few articles for Beauty Bay. So it kind of took off like that. And it was all consuming and I loved it. But every, every day I would wake up and think, right, what do I need to post today? What have I got to do today? And I was, I was, de- I was loving it, but it was, it was a stress and it was a pressure. And if something didn't perform well or, you know, it, 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 it's, I always say now, one of the, I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned over the past few years, because it wasn't just COVID. I went through a lot of personal things as well. I went through a breakup and, you know, certain um, working relationships broke down and things like that is that never take anything personally, both compliments and insults, because it's too easy to get your self-worth and validation from what other people say about you. And when things are going well, you don't even realize you're getting your validation from that because you just think, oh, this is great, I'm smashing it. But when you put too much, um, like I said, pressure on, on, on the good feedback you're receiving, it only takes one piece of negative feedback to just make it come crashing down whereas if you can take positive feedback and think that's lovely but you know am I happy with this do I think I'm a good person you know it doesn't matter what the people are saying Mm. I've got to live with me at the end of the day do I like that piece of work or you know do I really want to do this as a career I think it it just something just shifts in you because you don't you you just don't take anything anyone says to heart anymore even as much as you want to believe all the good things and I'm not saying they're not true when people say really nice things about you but I mean, everyone's opinion in life is based off their own experiences, biased opinion, you know, other opinions, upbringings. So you're never going to please everyone. So I think no. once you realize that you actually don't care whether you please people or not, it does, it does work really well. But I'm going off on a tangent, sorry. So like I said, during lockdown, I, I was, you know, it was all consuming. And then we opened back up and we, and I think loads of business owners will relate to me in this. <sighs> You never, you didn't know if you were doing the right thing after lockdown because, especially in my industry, some place it was guidelines, and I honestly, which were the most rogue yeah, guidelines. I mean, there I was. fucking hate the government anyway. Yeah, but if that I didn't made them hate them really before, I really fucking hate them now. <laughs> um, I always say everyone should just not vote. Imagine if everyone I, just I didn't vote. vote. Imagine vote. if everyone just didn't vote. Yeah. I, I was, a, I'm a big blue, especially with women voting because of what people went through for yeah, us to yeah. vote. But I hate them so much. I just don't think two party politics works anymore. But anyway, that's a different subject. So <laughs> I felt like they really, it was just guidelines. What were we supposed to do? Everyone had such strong opinions on it. There were some very nasty comments thrown around my industry, I think, on people that were maybe, you know, going back before they should. But then you don't know their circumstances. If they've got mouths to feed, if they aren't get because not everyone got help from the government. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't know people's circumstances. And it was just hell for everyone. It was absolutely awful. 
I definitely got too opinionated during COVID looking back. I was very opinionated on my stories. I was very opinionated on social media about many kind of political matters. And looking back, I, can, I know why I was, because you get sucked into it. We had no life outside Nothing of social else to media. Do. Exactly. But now I, I, don't get me wrong, I have my opinions on, on social issues, but I, again, it's a boundary I've put in with myself that I'm more than happy to express them when asked, but... You filter them. Yeah, I feel, but, not, but for my sake, more yeah, than yeah. anyone else's. Not because I'm worried of offending or anything like that, but because I just think, for me, it, it's protecting my mental health. I'm happy to have the conversation with people, but I don't necessarily want to post it all over my social media. It's like I said, sometimes for certain people, social media is a form of escapism. Mm. I think it's great that we can share messages on online and we can fight for justice and we, you can fight for certain causes. But I think it's okay to sometimes say, I actually don't know enough about that to have an opinion. Whereas I think sometimes social media Everyone makes you wants feel like you should have an opinion on yeah. everything. And sometimes you haven't got enough experience to have that. But anyway, so it was really tricky knowing exactly what to do. Were we going to still wear masks? Were we wearing masks and visors? This place is doing it. This place is in Boris is saying this, Boris <laughs> is saying that, you know, it was just, it was shit. So we, we did the best that we could and, and, and all that and it was all right you know once we kind of got back open everything seemed to be working back nicely um and then we got broken into at the end of 21 and it was just we weren't the only people to get broken into but it was just horrific and lots of things snowballed off the back of that um both personal issues and and work issues and it just wasn't very nice at all and I just had a bit of a mental breakdown <laughs> if I'm being honest with you I think I was having a mental breakdown from 2020 but I right. think I just hid it very very well um and I think I chucked myself into work into the content creating and the social media that I didn't really um I didn't really no, think I was struggling mentally yeah. I just was trying to keep myself busy but like I said I went through a breakup I'd you know I'd been with my ex-boyfriend for five years so that was quite difficult um, my granddad passed away during uh, Christmas. He actually passed away from COVID. So, and that was that was interesting because I had such a strong opinion on us being able to go back to work on how health and beauty was one of the cleanest, safest industries. I still stand by that. Um, and then you were always worried about expressing that um, in front of someone that maybe had suffered a different side of COVID. You know, people passed away. They were very wary about going out. And I completely understand. I'd experienced both sides almost because my granddad had passed away from COVID, but then also I was a business owner and, and I wanted to open and go back to normal. Yeah. So it was a very like emotionally conflicting time. Um, and yeah, like, you know, my business open, close, open, close. It's kind of like, imagine a, a partner that keeps coming back into your life and then out, but eventually you end up losing the passion you once had for it because yeah, yeah. you think, I don't Fuck know it. if I can do it anymore. Yeah. So I think I'd been struggling really since 2020 and, um, this, I'd, I moved into a house under 21, living on my own. Then, like I said, the salon got broken into, and I was, like, partying a lot as well during that time. I think everyone did after COVID because you could go back out, and I think I was definitely numbing certain emotions with the wrong things and people. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I just had a mental breakdown. <laughs> That's the only way. It's expected, though. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I never been someone that had experienced panic attacks or anxiety before right. <coughs> or if I had I wasn't aware of it and I never I never didn't think it existed or anything like that I just never thought I was going to be someone that had that would suffer from it I'm in that position now uh, yeah 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 it, it's it's awful isn't it but I, I don't think I can experience it oh really yeah you don't well 
It will I get me. I hope you never do. I hope it you will never get do. me, but yeah, that's the kind of position. So I know how you felt before. Yeah, well, you think it just it will never it'll yeah. never affect me, and I think. I'd always taken massive pride in um, being told I like strong I was. Like during COVID, are oh, you so, you know, you're just cracking on with work, you're so resilient. And that almost kept me going. But again, that goes back to putting so much of your self worth on other people's opinions of you. Because inside you weren't feeling Exactly, strong. I wasn't. But because people were telling me that I was, I was like, yeah, I am strong because people yeah. are telling me. And I'm not saying don't listen to your family. I was about to say, yeah, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It, it's a bit of both. I think it's yeah. brilliant. But I think if you don't have it inside yourself where you genuinely believe it, be real only with yourself holding on to other people's opinions is never ever going to work you have to know it yourself and then if your friends and family back it up then that's brilliant yeah um so yeah so i just i, I couldn't i just yeah i couldn't do it anymore i to the point where i was like having hallucinations i was having panic attacks and i just couldn't work out where it had come from and it just came out all of a sudden actually turns out i've had some physical health problems as well that could be linked to that right but i think it was a, an accumulation of both and i just quit i just quit the salon i said I'm not working there anymore and I deleted my social media for five months didn't go into the salon didn't do any appointments and just really had just a few months of just what I can only describe as like sheer depression like I didn't want to leave the house I just I just hated life I just didn't want to be here anymore I remember saying I just don't want to be here anymore I don't see the point I don't think I'm a good person I don't I think I'm a burden I think I'm stuck I just it's just and I would just cry all the time I didn't know what I was crying over but I would just was it just being overwhelmed with the amount of bad it was kind of like imagine feeling really really overwhelmed but also not giving a shit at the same time right that's what depression to me felt like it felt like I didn't did not care what happened to me but at the same time, I was so anxious about everything. Right. It was such a weird, a weird combination. Um, but I, you know, I've got some, I always say my family and friends, I know everyone's biased to their family and friends and they should be. Yeah. Because if you've got good ones, then that's all you really need. But I really do value my friendships a lot and my family and they helped me through it. And I started going to therapy and I would recommend therapy to anyone. I go to therapy. Do you go to therapy? Oh, see, we love it. We love a man that goes to therapy. I, I think everyone should. I agree. So I was of the thought of mm. you don't need to go to therapy until you've got a problem. Yeah. I didn't too. have a problem. I just wanted to make my life better than it already was. Mm. And it's amazing how much it can like open you up to maybe even problems you didn't think existed. Yep. I, I, honestly I could not agree more and I think I was I was exactly the same as you I thought well if I'm not if I've got an issue why am I going to therapy and you maybe didn't want to talk about it to somebody but a therapist that's why they're a therapist is they can somehow make you talk yeah. I remember walking up to the door of my therapist and I was thinking like, I don't talk to anyone when I've got problems how am I going to talk to someone when I haven't got problems do you I'm feel just... like that's like a male thing as well oh, 100% but also yeah. I think I'm just not a talkative person mm. in terms of Emotions. Like myself yeah. and emotions, yeah. It's like people here, if I'm quiet at work, they'll go, Dev, you are right? I go, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of people, men yeah, especially. Yeah, I think men especially. Like if I was struggling, struggling, I'd probably talk to my girlfriend or something like that. But I yeah. wouldn't want, like, sorrow. That's what I don't like. You I don't, don't want like people, people to, to feel you. sorry for me, yeah. yeah. I just want to get on my shit and sort it out myself. Yeah. Whereas going to therapy, I was like, I'm just going to sit there like this. And she's just going to ask me questions. I'd be like, well, no. Yeah. But it won't. <laughs> no. It was literally like, I'd try, I'd try create the vibe of therapy here. 
because it's literally like this. It's like mm-hmm. just having a casual chat. Yeah. But they've just got the knowledge and know what they're saying to you. They to, do. And they make notes as well. They're um, prompting you to talking. talk. Because yeah. did you think, I thought for our went, it was going to be like in the film, so you lay on a sofa and they're like, and how do you feel about that? And yeah. tell me about And that's £100 an hour. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was going to be that. My therapist is brilliant. And you're absolutely right. It's like a conversation. And I think the, the beautiful thing about therapy is sometimes, no matter how brilliant and, and loved your family and friends are, any anyone who cares about their family and friends holds back a certain amount when they're when they're talking because they don't want to offend them, they don't want to feel like a burden, they don't want to worry them. So even if you want, and I I I personally think I'm a very open person. I'm I'm too open probably sometimes. It's on your Instagram, yeah. Yeah. Um, but even I I can see why people would would be like that. I was like it to a certain extent. You know, if I if I felt a certain way about work, for example. I and like I say my team are fantastic and they're always there for me but sometimes I don't want to tell them everything because I don't want them to feel bad that they work in a a business that's stressing me out if I speak to my mum and dad I don't want them to worry that I'm gonna you know when I was in that really bad phase and I I said to my mum I don't want to be here anymore I could just see like the fear in her eyes and it I could it killed me how much it upset my mum and dad but it, I'm glad, obviously, I did tell them. Yeah, yeah. But it's it was heartbreaking to see the effect it had on on everyone around me. And um, therapy, you speak in someone completely unbiased. You can say anything about anyone in in your life, and you just you let. And and I think a lot of the time as well. And I found this with therapy. You talk yourself into an answer. You, That's exactly what my therapist said to 100%, me. Hundred percent. My yeah, therapist literally said like, "Oh, you didn't want to say that, did you?" And I'm like, "Yeah, shit, no, I didn't." Because you taught yourself mm. straight into a hole. She was like, you've just got yourself into a hole now. You know what we're talking about next therapy session, don't yeah. you? I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> exactly, she's got it on you yeah. now. And, and when they make notes, I would find with my therapist, Karen, she was called. She was brilliant. Um, she would bring up things from a couple of sessions ago. And I think when you tell your family and friends things, your family and friends always want to give you a solution. And I do. When my, my family and friends, yeah. yeah. So sometimes they're not... And I, I'm not, when, when it's the other way around. You're not really listening because you're already thinking of what you're going to answer. You're already thinking of how you're going to help them with that problem. Whereas with a therapist, they're listening to every word you say. So they'll make no My therapist, Karen, she used to bring up things. I thought, oh, God, yeah, I did say that. And actually, yeah, that does relate to that. Whereas when it's your friend, they care, or your family, they care so deeply about you, they just want to fix it. They just want to help it. So they're already, like I said, thinking of, right, we, we'll sort that, we'll sort mm. that. They're not really taking it in, so... I think every single person in the world should go to therapy. Even just try it, just for just one try session. It. Just yeah. go. I mean, I don't go at the minute. I definitely think I need to go back soon. <laughs> um, but I haven't been for maybe like six months. Right. And that was fine because, one, it was getting a little bit expensive. Yes. Um, and this is another thing that I, I really do advocate for. And I'd like to do more in the future of try, uh, more therapy being on the, NH, on the NHS and being free to people because I think... I think it will soon. I feel like mental health finally yeah, being... Yeah, I think it is being recognised yeah. a lot more. But I think a lot of people are... Uh, I don't want to say ignorant, but I was. You know, I, I was exactly like you. You don't go to therapy unless you've already got a problem. But sometimes prevention is key. And actually, yeah. you know, speaking about before it manifests into that is is what you need to be doing. 100%. So, um, I can't even remember the original question. Oh, about so, how you don't compare. Yeah, yeah. So I found that... So I didn't have social media for five months. Um, I didn't go into the salon and I just sat, I just sat with my feelings and my no thoughts. No job. Didn't have a job for a little bit as well. Yes, that was quite hard. 
And that wasn't great. <laughs> um, Financial pressure, I think, is the worst type of pressure. Horrific, yeah. And I think horrific. that's why a lot of suicide in men happen because mm. they're they've got this image that they have to provide. Yeah. So for a man to then take that break that he definitely needs, like you definitely needed that break. Yeah. A man taking that break maybe not providing the income that automatically thinks I'm not the provider. And you was maybe thinking the same thing of I'm not doing what I should be doing. Yeah. I think for me it was more about um it was like it was an ego thing. It was right. more what are people gonna think? I've spent the last three years banging on about my business and how great it is and how great the team are and how much I love what I do. What are people going to think if I just decide not to do it anymore? To be fair, I'd be exactly the same. Yeah, and that is. What, but then I realised that actually people don't give that much of a shit. Mm-hmm. Every single person in the world is selfish. You yeah. have to be to survive. If you weren't, you, w- you wouldn't live because you'd give everything away. Yeah. Everyone is selfish. Everyone has an ego and everyone cares about them because that is just life. It doesn't make you a horrible it's person. Thing, no. It's not a bad thing. It's just how it is. And when you realize how little people actually care, it, the freedom that that brings is, is and I was always someone, and I, I still am to a certain extent, I think everyone is, really cared what people thought. And I have moments where I can feel myself slipping into it. Particularly, I think when you're single on the dating scene, it, it, that triggers it a little bit as well. But that's probably an entirely different <laughs> podcast episode. Um, yeah, and I, and I think, it, it, I, I re- you hear, I mean, have you ever heard of like a you know a piece of gossip or some massive? I mean, even think just in the celebrity world, just when massive happens, you're like, oh my god, this is unbelievable. Three years later, you're like, what? I forgot that happened. It, it's amazing how humans just don't just don't care that much. It's about like the recency like bias, isn't it? You yeah. just want everything news now. Exactly. But you don't actually and care. people just they don't they don't really care that much. They don't. So I was worrying so much when I. Didn't need to. I mean, don't get me wrong, it wasn't an easy decision to make. I didn't just make it off the cuff deciding to leave Tiger Eye for five months. But I, 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 need, I needed it. And I remember going to see my psychic Albert. So I'm a big... And I know not everyone believes it. And I completely get that. But I really do believe right. in, in that kind of stuff. And uh, she she basically said to me, she's like, you need to you need to take yourself away because if you don't, like, if you don't take yourself out of Tiger Eye, Tiger Eye will just be taken away from you. She gave me, and the reason I love going to Alva so much is because, she, yes, she's a psychic, but just the way she words things, she's almost like a therapist as yeah. well. And she said about kind of social media in particular and, and this this label that I'd given myself, and this is why I'm so, I'm so vocal about how social media makes you feel like you have a label and you you have a certain persona and you have to stick to that and you can never come away from it. You know, to me, I was on Instagram. I I owned Tigray. You know, I was a makeup artist. I did this content. I built success doing it. I can't step away from that. That's what I was. You know, amongst my family, friends, and clients. That's what that's I was your known identity, for. Now, yeah. yeah, it was my it was my identity exactly. And Alva said to me, she says, you know, you you almost need to imagine. What, how did she word it? It was so brilliant what she said. I think she said about like an orchid, like the plant, an orchid. Right. And she said, at the minute, you like, you need to almost, you, you're clinging onto it, but you need to almost take it away and just plant it in a pot to the side. Right. She said, so it's there, you know, you still, you still got it. Um, you know, it's very, it's very nice to look at. It's very, sorry, I just not the mic. No, very worry. nice to look at, very nice to have, but it's not, I'm not worded, she worded it much better than how I've just done it. But she basically was ultimately trying to say that social media is not your identity. That's not to say you don't need to have it. And as someone who's a very all or nothing person, I am with everything, you know, life, business, relationships, whatever. I really struggled with that concept at first because I was like, well, I'm either all in it or I'm or I'm not. 
And it really took taking myself fully away from it and having that break for five months and then easing myself back in to realize that actually in that five months, nothing really changed. Tiger Eye, yes, you know, we didn't have as much interaction online. Yeah. We didn't necessarily, we we weren't as busy as we were, I guess, because I wasn't posting as much about makeup. But my team was still there. The building was still going. My family was still there. My friends were still there. And I just thought, yeah, fucking hell, what have I been stressing about? Yeah. Out over. Is everything still here? I'm well within my right to change my mind and take a break and... I'm the only one that's given myself this label. Because while other people might be like, oh yeah, you know, you're a makeup artist, you're in Tiger Eye. They don't actually care that much. No. <laughs> you know, they don't care as much as I do because it's my life. And You think and it it's was, something that they've created, but it's actually something you've, you've created. You've created, exactly. You've created in your head. And when I realised that, it was such an eye-opening moment. And then I ended up getting a job. Um, I tried to get like bartending jobs for ages and no one would hire me. Um, and I don't know whether it's because I had no During the experience. five months? Yeah, during this five months. So what was your reason for that? I just wanted a soft life. You know right, what I'm saying? Okay. There? I wanted a soft life. I just wanted to clock on, get some money, clock off, you know, just just chill out for a yeah, bit, yeah. really. Not that bartending is, is not stressful. No, I know but when is, you go home, just, the yeah, work not ends, to worry about yeah. anything. Like I said, the team were brilliant. They were just carrying on doing what they do and they knew I needed time. And uh, they, I mean, they're, they're friends for life. Do you know what I mean? They're not just, they're not just staff. They are some of the best people I've ever met. And um, <clears throat> yeah, so I ended up applying for a job at a university as head of recruitment and sales. And the job description, actually, funnily enough, was very much about like social media because they were trying, it was for the apprenticeships and they wanted to get more. It wasn't like uh, your usual apprenticeships when you leave school, it was for adults you know, in quite high up positions in businesses going back and doing a business apprenticeship that led right. to a master's and things like that. Um, and I applied for it and I didn't get the job and I interviewed for it in January when I was still peak, not, not great. And I didn't get it and that was fine. And then she got back in touch in March and said that the person that originally hired it didn't work out with, did I want to, to, to take the job? By March, I was in a much better headspace and it, again, everything works out for a reason. Was you back in Tiger Eye yet? No. No. So I took the job in Lincoln um, and again, it was the best thing I ever did. It was a six month contract. So I, I knew I was only going to be there for six months. And I loved it. It was a change of scenery. It was a change of job. It, was it as fun as makeup? No, absolutely not. But I really enjoyed it. I worked with some lovely people. And it reminded me that as someone who had done so many different jobs and never used to have the fear of kind of stepping away and changing my mind, mm. I turned into someone that really, like I said, had given myself this label and was like, I can never change it. I'm stuck here now. Well, I'm not stuck here. Um, and it made me realise that actually I'm, I'm capable of more than I realised. I can turn my hand to things quicker than I realised. And um, the world still fucking turns, even if I decide to completely change my career, my job, my, my path. doesn't matter. Like, it's, it's fine. And, and it was great. And I missed Tiger Eye. I don't think I'd have missed Tiger Eye if I hadn't gone off and done this. Really missed it. It got to the end of the six months. They offered me an extension to take me on as permanent. But by that point, I was well ready to you go back to the, the odd, studio yeah. and the girls. And it was, it was such an interesting phase, that whole thing. But looking back, even though it felt like pure hell at the time... I'm so, so grateful that it happened because I wouldn't, I wouldn't be... It was like fate. It, yeah, it was absolutely fate. And, and I think what I learned from that is sometimes you have to break to have a breakthrough. And that was, that was it for me. I was so, going to say, yeah, you have to at times take a step back absolutely. to then take two steps forward. Yeah. So what would be your piece of advice for somebody that may be potentially in that rut now? Do you know where, before you took the break, so mm -hmm. you're currently still in Tiger Eye, 
you're thinking, I just don't know what the fuck to do. I'm not good enough. Yeah. There may be a lot of people that are in that position because they're just too scared to drop out. I think for me, it wasn't, it was tricky. It wasn't necessarily that I felt, I didn't feel good enough. It was more that I didn't want that life anymore. I didn't want the responsibility of the salon, even though I had it. And I didn't want to be in Scunthorpe working in that salon that just, just triggered my panic attacks for some reason. I think to anyone that is in that position, whether I think if they're feeling not good enough, if they've got a case of imposter syndrome, um, my best advice for that, because imposter syndrome is the worst and everyone gets it, especially when you're self-employed, is to really take in what I said about social media, it being a highlight reel, limit your time on that, come up with a strategy for it almost. So instead of just going on social media and posting aimlessly and trying to connect with people on there just for the hope that something's gonna happen, think strategically come up with the ideal clientele, come up with what, what, what do you actually want to achieve? So for me, when I was in that rut and I wanted to leave, I didn't want to be a makeup artist anymore. I didn't want to have the salon. I didn't want to live in Scunthorpe. Didn't want to carry on in that, in that way. Didn't know what I wanted, but I knew what I didn't want. Yeah. So I think that that's key. What, what do you want? And if you don't know what you want, what do you don't want? Because th- and think about what steps you're taking. What what where is that going to lead you? You can't keep doing the same things and expecting different results. I think that's key with that one. So if you're in a if you're in a business or you know you're in a on a path that you do want to get to, but you just feel like you're not good enough yet, start thinking strategically. One, get some perspective. Realize that everyone is winging it. No one knows what the fuck they're doing. At, at we all. spoke about this, didn't we? Literally, everyone is winging it, and everyone started somewhere as well. And I also think a lot of the time with imposter syndrome, and when you combine it with social media, not only are you getting it because you're comparing, but you also feel not good enough to post, to post your stuff and your what you have to say. But I am just I, and this is the part of social media I love. Post whatever you want. It is your profile. As long as you're not harming anyone, you know it's not hate speech or anything like that. Yeah. Post whatever you want because you don't know who's watching. And yes, ten people might not be interested, and they might unfollow you, and they might, you know, slag you off or think you're a little bit cringe. But there might be one person that really, really admired that or really was inspired by that. I've had that so many times. Me too. You do, don't you? And you don't realise. When I came back after five months, I got, and I go on to sound a bit like an Insta-wanker here, but I got just some really lovely messages. Like, almost, like, brought me to tears when I read some of them. One lady had said that when she was in lockdown, she was pregnant, and she, I mean, being pregnant in lockdown was horrific for, mm. for women. It was it was. You had to awful. give birth on your own, didn't you? Yeah, and it was just, just the fear. You had got your family and friends around you, and one lady had said that she just liked watching my makeup tutorials because she necessarily learned anything but it was just a distraction and escapism and exactly and it was just it was written you you forget that and i think again think about how you use social media i'm sure i know there's so many people that i follow and i think they're brilliant and they're inspiring but i don't think to comment on their stuff and i sometimes don't even think to like it because i'm just quickly scrolling but i love what they put out and i and i find them empowering and brilliant and i love to follow them and i love to see what they're up to just because people aren't showing you that physically doesn't mean they're not interested mm. And you're never going to please everyone. You know, you're never going to, not everyone's going to like your content, but they know where the unfollow button is. So they're more than welcome to press it. I remember I, I don't know what it was that I posted, but it was something Instagram wankery. Mm. And even though like you, you said that like the influencer vibe, you don't like that term and stuff, but you kind of, you've got that kind of influencer vibe now because you've got followers that kind of look up to you. Whereas I didn't have that. Yeah. I was literally just like the local lad. And I remember I posted something on Instagram wankery, which is very unlike me. And I remember like people were saying like, what are you doing? Like, who's going to read that? And then one lad, and it was literally just one lad popped up and was like, mate, you're an inspiration. I was just like, 
shit. Yeah, see, you don't. Like, you this never is know. why I do it. Whereas exactly. he, if he hadn't commented, I You'd would have, have probably like talked all them people's it, yeah. opinions. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, and this is it. And this this is key. You don't. You never know who's watching. And I so I always think share your skills, share your talent, share your art, share your work because and that one person could change your journey as well. You never know who they know or what mm. they know and. And I also think sometimes you've just got to just pretend. Post as if you already have followers. Yeah. Post as if you're already established. Because people will buy into that. I always say to makeup students when they come to Ty Grind and they're training with their social media, post as if you're busy. Get your friends in, get them to model for you. Post look after look after look. Mm. If you act a certain way and you portray a certain a certain presence, people people will buy it's into it. It's a bad term, but fake it till you make it. Absolutely fake it till you make it. You have yeah. to, not only for your own confidence, but to actually push yourself out of your comfort zone and get somewhere. Mm. People, Someone isn't going to just turn around one day and be like, here you go, here's 50 clients, yeah, here's yeah. a 1,000 followers. You've got to work to get that. But people aren't going to wait for you to turn around and be like, yeah, I've done it now. You have to you have to fake it and get into that. That's you absolutely it. have to do it. And then, and then it will snowball from there. But I think the algorithms have changed massively as well. I don't think it's as easy to get followers and likes anymore. I always say to people now, focus on the community you already have. Focus on the followers you've already have. Nothing on social media or outside of social media is as powerful as word of mouth. Mm. So I think if you're just a genuine, authentic you know, with boundaries still, but you just yourself on social media, you post what you want, you know, you share your value. That's the brilliant thing about social media. It's fantastic that we have something nowadays that you can share what's maybe taken you five years to learn with people in 30 Instantly, seconds. Instantly, yeah. It's amazing. Have you heard of Get Baked? No. So it's a bakery in Leeds, but they've gone like viral. Oh, really? And the guy who runs it, I can't remember, I think he's called Richard... But he like he's the first person I've seen that took a different approach to social media than I've ever seen before. Mm. And it was literally just being a human. So he posts on his Get Baked page, which has like two, 300,000 followers, as if he was literally talking in the lads' group chat. Yeah. So And, he, and he'll take it so unseriously. Like, he has a cake called Bruce. I don't know if you, you might have heard of the cake called Bruce. That's what went viral. I don't know. It's like this massive chocolate that. fudge cake. Oh, it's like in like 12 layers. See, this is the issue. He says it's not off Matilda. But the Bruce thing. Yeah, I know, but I think it's just a coincidence. <laughs> but that went viral. Mm-hmm. And he, he uses terms like, um, we're not put on a Valentine's Day sale on because fuck Valentine's Day. I know you're going to come in and buy my cake anyway. Mm. And he's just like being... Just very, yeah. Straight to the point. He's not going like, oh, please, I'll give you 10% yeah. off my Valentine's Day cakes. Yeah. And he's just being a human that's not being commercial. Mm. He's being a human. And I think that's it now. I think... The whole people buying to people, that is the way to send out. And the thing is, being like that, some people aren't going to like that. Do you know James Smith, the PT? James Smith I've PT? heard. He is like notorious for being very Oh, has straight. he got longish blonde hair? Yeah, yeah. 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 He's in Australia now. He is very controversial. And I think, I think for me, there's always been a fine line with that because if you're controversial, you are going to get attention. There's no doubt. But I mean, I, I think James Smith is great. I think the way he's... And it won't all be good attention. It's not all good attention, no. So you have to have a very, very thick skin to do that. Um, and I don't think that is going to work for everyone. I don't yeah, think 100%. everyone feels comfortable with that. But I think you can be authentic and you can be exactly like that guy, even if you're the quietest person in the room. Just, do, do you like what you've just put mm. If you were a consumer, would you buy into that? And I just think when you turn it inward, I'm not, it, it, it sounds like I'm just saying it and it'll work. But I think for your own personal mental health, if you're building a business online, that is, that is, a, good, that is a good way to, to do it. 
Um, however, there's also a more strategic way that, you know, social media agencies and mm. people that actually work in social media do. And ultimately, they are going to help you get there. Yeah. But I'm speaking as someone who uses social media just as an aid now. I don't use it to actually make... It's not It's not my main career. Do yeah. you know what I mean? So I'm maybe not the right person to ask if you wanted to go viral. Um, but I feel like I can give an opinion on it in the sense of how it can affect you mentally and how to, you know, hopefully prevent the triggers that it can it can bring out. I the don't really know. experience of it rather than... Yeah, exactly. I don't really know how I've got into the position where I do talks about it, yeah, but yeah. it's just... It's just happened. So... So the TED Talk will quickly go over that. Yeah. Um, how was that, first and foremost? Because oh, it's very so... different to sitting here now yeah. with like a coffee and just chilling. So fucking scary. Um, yeah, very, very scary. So with the TED... I mean, I am a last minute person anyway it is not a good trait to have at all um i would definitely work better under pressure but that pressure was ridiculous so we we it was we were booked like a year almost. how did you get it so it was tedx so you've yeah. got ted and then you've got tedx so tedx is like, the local, is like a it? local one and it was coming to scunthorpe and to anyone who wants to get into anything like this get linkedin because everything is posted on linkedin i think every business owner should have linkedin anyway See, personally. I, I get told this all the time and i've only just started you using need to it have LinkedIn. I, I hate like it i do hate it it's facebook for business but it is brilliant for finding out about stuff like that um and ellie one of the volunteers i knew and she'd posted about it and they were doing sponsorships as well like your business could sponsor it so I inquired kind of on a behalf of a speaker but also for the sponsorship for Tigray and I just was like oh what does it include being a speaker kind of thing because at this point I'd only ever done one talk and it was at the local college and I remember being really really nervous for it and but it went it went well it went well I've actually just been back at the same college exactly a year after and it went a lot better <laughs> but it still went good and uh, I, I realized after doing that talk that it was something that I really wanted to pursue and get into so this seemed like a great opportunity so you applied you had to send in a um, 30 second video of your subject what you would talk about and they had a theme so the theme was reimagining so it was a really good theme because I think you could do that really for anything anything yeah so broad so i did it as in reimagining social media in a post-pandemic world that was kind of what my subject was so i i, I remember filming the video i sent it in very last minute as always <laughs> and yeah we, we got a spot and my one of my best friends jess neary she owns self she's a um, personal trainer and mindset coach she also did a ted talk so it was really nice to experience that with with one of my best friends as well and um we had months to write this talk <laughs> And I wrote mine I two coming. weeks before, <laughs> and I am that much of a procrastinator that I had to drive myself down to Cornwall, where my auntie lives, and stay at hers. And I literally drove myself to this tiny cafe on the cliffs. It was awful weather as well, because it was November. And just and it had no Wi-Fi, this cafe, and just sit and write. I, I, I couldn't do it otherwise. And right. I just sit and wrote it, sat and wrote it. Um, I love I love my auntie, my uncle, and my cousins, and and they were the first people to hear the the talk. But the thing is, the TED talk is you have to memorize it as well. Yeah, you so, can't have prompts or anything. No, this is where I fucked up massively, leaving it so last minute. Now, without blowing my own trumpet, I find writing quite easy. I yeah. love writing. You said you liked English, didn't you? Yeah, I loved English. I've always liked. Yeah, I've just always liked writing in some form. And looking back at all the jobs I did, especially social media, writing always played a big part in it. Even working in sales when I did, because I was a personal, well, I say, but it was like luxury sales I did for a little bit. Um, I've always 
thrived in jobs that involved communication, whether it was talking face-to-face, over the phone, via email, via written content, whatever. Um, so doing the TikTok made me realise actually how much I did enjoy it, but how not great my memory is as well. So I I remember having to practice it, and what I did, the drive back from Cornwall was three three hours? No, longer than that. Six hours. Oh, six hours. Cornwall's yeah. far. London's yeah, three no, and a half. six hours. So I voice noted, I voice recorded my talk, and I listened to it on repeat for six hours Clever. back to Cornwall. And then I used to listen to it at night as well. So this was maybe like a week and a half before the talk. I would listen to it at night. And um, I did, I, I managed it. I did manage it on the day. I did miss out a few bits. Yeah. Um, but you've probably gathered from this podcast that I do go off on a tangent. I do talk a bit of shit. <laughs> so that necessarily, wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, I did miss out a few bits, but my key points were there. It was the shortest talk of everyone's. I think it was only eight <laughs> minutes. Um, but I feel like my, there was two other guys there um, and they did a talk on social media and they were brilliant. And I forgot their names and it's really, really bad that I've done that. I'm going to get them up because they were fantastic. They've actually created their own social media platform. Off the back of that talk. Off the back of that. So they, I think it was Carl and Nick. But let me just Are they Scunthorpe based as well? No, they're based in London. So not every speaker was from Scunthorpe. Oh, okay. It was. Yeah. Carl and Nick. Carl and Nick. Nick Smallman and Carl Brown. And they did the talk and they were brilliant. And I was on after them and I was like, fuck. That's the issue, isn't it? Yeah. If you're not under pressure already, when someone before you does really well. But I actually think all three of our talks worked really, really well alongside each other. Because um, I think it was Nick who was on first. He spoke very much about... You remember the documentary on Netflix about social media and basically how manipulative it is kind of I can't remember what it was called but it was basically about the ins and outs of social media and how dangerous it can be and how we can do better Nick did a really brilliant talk on that not from necessarily his own personal experience but from working in the industry and seeing it It was it was an amazing talk Carl then spoke more about the perspective of the social media platform they've created again another brilliant talk really engaging then my talk was about my personal experience. So the people that Carl and Nick had been speaking about that were most affected by social media, I was actually one of them. So it worked So it perfectly. worked really, really well. I mean, all the speakers that day were great. I enjoyed them all. Um, and I think, I hope they're doing it again this year. So if anyone has got a chance to go and watch, I definitely would. I will be there watching whoever they have on because it was just so insightful. And I just love hearing about people when they're passionate about something. I always say, I don't care what you're talking about. If you're passionate about it, I'm immediately engaged. Yeah. Because I just think it's brilliant. That's what life's about, isn't it? Having a having a passion, whether it's your family, your friends, your job, your dog, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, so yeah, it was really, really good, but very scary. Um, but I'm so, so glad I did it because I feel like everything after that, every talk I've done is easy. Is, easy. is but, talking something you want to go into? Because that's now three kind of three, yes. public talking you've done. Yeah, I would love to go into it. I'd love to write a book. I always say I'd love I've to said write this. a book. Yeah. I said that I wanted to write a book only for myself, though. I would put it out, and if anyone wanted to read it, but you'd write they could. Book, yeah. But I wanted to write like a biography of myself, because I, like you said, when you go on your Instagram, you scroll down, and you see, yeah. oh, shit, I forgot that happened. I forgot they did it, yeah. I'd like to write a book for everything that's happened in my life. I think that's brilliant. I 
wouldn't write a biography because I, uh, as an oversharer, I think people in my life probably already fucking know everything, everything, to be honest. (laughs) I think you only have to follow me on Instagram (laughs) to see what dating disaster I've had recently. Um, But I think for me, I'd I'd like to write it on the things I talk about, like social media. I think that would be a good one. But the other thing I, I really am fascinated by and I feel isn't spoke about a lot, is the ages of 27 to 30, like 27 to 29. You mentioned this to me, didn't you? Yeah, You said, because feel... I'm 25, you was like, wait till you get yeah, 27. Yeah, wait till you get 27. I feel like everyone talks about turning 30 and how scary that is, and no fucker prepares you for turning 27. <laughs> it That's when it really went downhill for me when I turned 27. And yes, I had a lot of things going on in my life that contributed to that. But that period in your late 20s, for men and women where half of your friends are getting married and, in, and engaged in having babies, half of your friends are still getting off the tits every weekend, half of your friends are kind of in between, half of your friends live thousands of miles away, some of them live down the road, and you, it's like your early 20s are fun, you're all kind of doing the same thing, and then you hit your late 20s and there is this immense pressure to, to pick a label. Are you engaged? Are you settled down? Are you travelling? Are you climbing the career ladder? And if you're not doing any of the above... You feel like a fucking loser, and you're not a loser at all. No. But you don't know where to go, and you feel like you have to have your shit together. And I read something really great the other day, and it was saying how even if you feel like that at late twenties, you've not even been alive three decades yet. In the first decade, you couldn't even wipe your own ass. So, and I thought that is so true. Well, you, I suppose you could halfway through the first yeah, one. Yeah. But and I thought that is so true. And and you have and and I think social media has massively contributed to that. I was about that, to say that that's pressure. society that's doing massively that. so. Um, and you can just feel really, really lost. And if you are single, and if you are living at home... Who gives a fuck? Who, who cares? But it, it, that's how you feel when you're in your late 20s. And it's such a such a funny age, and you feel like you should still be making the most out of your life because you are still in your 20s, and you absolutely should be doing. But it's very easy to feel like you're losing your friends, and you're losing... It, and especially if, like me, you go through a breakup in your late 20s, and, and you don't end up down the path that you thought you were going to end up on... It can be a real knock to the confidence. Because you get sold the perfect life. Yeah, and you think you're on your way to having it. And you think, right, so then when we get to early 30s, we'll do this and we'll get... But actually, speaking from personal experience, like I said, going through all that, going through a breakup, going through COVID and the break-in and, you know, the depression, it made me realize that if I had carried on, on the path that I was on, COVID would have still happened. The Mm. break-in would have still happened. I don't think I would have survived it, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think even though I didn't end up on the path that I thought I was going to end up on, I've actually become a better person for coming off it. And even though it didn't feel like reason. that, it happens for a reason. I don't always like that saying it happens for a reason. Because I think when you lose someone, when really horrible, tragic things happen, you don't want to wear that, that it happened for yeah, a reason. Yeah, when people are saying it, yeah. But I agree. I think when things happen personally to yeah, you... Yeah. Like you... Your brain telling you I need to take a step back, or the therapist, exactly. or the yeah. psychic saying that. Internal experiences happen for you a reason. You taking that break yeah. happened for a reason. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so, and I just think, but that's something I always think no one prepares you for your late 20s mm. and those feelings. So, I think I might just write a book venting about that, really. So, why aren't you? Or stopping you. Good, good, good point. I think I'm going to hit 30 and then I'll have experienced all the late 20s and I can, I can probably do it. I've got one more year. So, oh, I just turned 29. So, once so, I get to so 30. So, when you turn 31, Lauren Eddy. Yeah, we'll see. Life in your 20s. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to call it yet, but I would love to do that. But I, I, I've always been someone as well that um, 
Which is funny, really, because this is going to contradict what I just said about having a label. But I always think you get one life. And like I said, I did so many random jobs before this. And I get bored very easily. And I just think, just try it. What's the worst that's going to happen? Yep. Someone's going to say no. You yep. know, it, it's not going to work out. I think taking risks that are a much bigger financial investment you do have to think a little bit more about. And they're the scary risks to take. It's easy to say, oh, fuck it, I'm going to go out tonight. Or, you know, something yeah, yeah. like that. But they're, they're scary risks to take. But you can you can have different phases. You can try different things. I always think of, um, how do you pronounce his name? I, is it Idris or Idris? Idris, Idris Elba. Elba. Yeah. yeah. He does everything. He's a DJ. Rapper. He's a actor. rapper. He's an actor. Did he do boxing for a little yeah. bit as well? And I always think, yeah, brilliant. Why well, Don't pigeonhole if yourself. You, if you don't carry on, you've learned something. Exactly. You can always take something away from it. Um, and it's better to have tried it and it not work out than to never try it at all. So, be, yeah. Amen to that. Amen to that. What's next for Lauren and Tiger Island? Well, I am actually starting a course next month. I don't really want to say what it is in case I do the course and then I have another change of heart and I'm like, I'm not doing this. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but it's it's kind of related to what I do now, but it is it is a lot different. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try that, and I'd, I thought I always say I want to move abroad. I want to travel a little bit more. So I think the way I say it, I've got one year left in my twenties. You've so just been I'm on just, a solo trip. I've just been on a solo trip to Milan, um, which was brilliant, and I want to do more of that. And I just want to. I just I feel like after all that with COVID, I'm in a really good headspace. Tiger is doing well. Um, I'd love to do some more talks, and yeah, I'm just gonna just live gonna life. put myself out there and live life and see what happens. Love so, it. So yeah. Right, do you know the way we end the podcast? Have you watched one no, to the end yet? No, I haven't so, got it right to the end. We have this. Everyone shits herself when they see it. Okay. But in here, there's like deep questions and then there's some questions which are just ridiculous. <laughs> right, so you can pick from the box. Yeah. Um, pass it over to me because some of them, like I've wrote down an answer that I'd give to kind of assist. Okay. So you can pick one and it may be absolutely stupid and it's just a quick answer. It may be deep. Oh. Okay. Do I have to give it to you or can you, I... You can read it. If there's like a word on the bottom, that's kind of like my answer, so you can... No, I'll... Do I give it to you? I'll right, give it to right. you. You can ask me. See, this one's a really quick one. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. It's just stupid. Do people eat or drink soup? Eat it. I think they eat it. When you think about how they put it in their mouth... What if it's blended? Yeah, but like... Mm. Yeah, but think about how you eat soup. You pick it up and you're like, go like that. You don't go like... <laughs> you don't... You don't do... I'm not going to do the action again because it clearly looks very different to what I'm talking about. But you don't do that when you're drinking, do you? Like... But you just swallow. There's no chewing. Yeah, but you could say that about any soft food then. Do you drink rice pudding? Like, no. Not that no, because rice pudding is a little... You have to chew a little bit. No, you don't. Not really. And what if you had, like, chicken think... soup? Yeah. You didn't specify what soup. So yeah, it could be on like the a vegetable that, soup. I'm going to say they eat soup. Oh, she stood her ground. Oh, 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 see, told you. <laughs> Opinionated. Well, there we go. That was like a minute one. Sometimes cool. it's like another 10, 15 minutes. Is it? But yeah. It's like a deeper one. A deep one, yeah. But it's been an absolute pleasure. I think we could do like 17 podcasts. Oh, no. There's so I've much really conversation to have. Though, yeah, there is. But yeah, thank you so much for having me. I've, I've really, really enjoyed it. I hope I didn't go off on too many tangents. No, we're all good. Tangents are good. Good. It's cool. been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers.